0: But as a society, we've been marketed that and we propagate it over and over with movies and TV shows and just the way that culture works, that we send that message to other people. And so, you know, kids in college, obviously, these days, as I did myself, like it is a ticket to adulthood. It is here. This is how I rebel. This is how I'm independent. This is how I am cool or I fit in. So it can promise belonging. It can promise independence, you know, all these things. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did we attach so much meaning? To alcohol when it's just a beverage
1: hello and welcome to the art of living well podcast i'm stephanie may potter and i'm here with my co-host marnie Duchess marmette
2: we created the art of living well podcast to empower you to live your happiest healthiest and most authentic life Each week we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge.
1: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. Today we have another amazing guest. Her name is Carolina Jokowalska. Hopefully I'm saying that right. And she is an alcohol-free empowerment expert who helps intuitive women ditch alcohol and discover their greater purpose. She's worked with thousands of clients through her programs to change their drinking habits and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. Carolina is the best-selling author of the book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, and her work has been featured in the Huffington Post, the Sunday Post, Pop Sugar, Real Simple, Elite Daily, and many TV shows. Carolina is passionate about helping you discover what really makes you happy outside of a beverage and design a life that you love. In today's episode, you will learn why reevaluating the role that alcohol has in your life can really help you discover what brings you joy. We dive in and talk a lot about the pressures in our society to drink alcohol. It's like it's a rite of passage as soon as you become 21, and how you can give yourself permission to explore not drinking. We'll dive into how you can revisit what fun means to you and find other ways to explore new adventures and activities outside of drinking and going to bars and other social events to meet people. We talk about how to navigate the change of not drinking, whether that's short-term for a few days, a week, or maybe doing dry January, or on a more long-term basis with your partner and friends, because we know that that can be really challenging. And a lot of times, even into our 40s, 50s, and beyond, we feel pressure from friends and family to have that drink of wine when maybe we recognize that we want to get a good night's sleep and wake up early for a workout or just to have clear thinking the next day. We also dive into the science behind why you feel better and are in a better mood when you're not drinking. Carolina shares what she's seen in her coaching practice, which is that women really have a burning desire for more in their life, whether it's a goal to write a book, start a new business, pursue a passion project as their new career, and they're waking up to this revelation that reducing the amount of alcohol that they're consuming is allowing them to fulfill these Inner goals and desires, which is really, really powerful. So, we know that this conversation may be intimidating for people. You know, some people may be very skeptical that they could ever consider not drinking for a period of time, even on a short term basis. But I promise you, by the end of this conversation, you may be asking yourself if drinking alcohol really makes you feel as good as it's typically portrayed in the media or if it's holding you back from doing something that truly brings you joy and more peace and fulfillment. I absolutely love this conversation with Carolina and I'm really excited that she came on our show to share with you how you can discover and ultimately live the life that you really want to live and how taking a break from alcohol has the ability to unleash your confidence and your desire to do more. So if you enjoyed this conversation or know of anyone who may benefit from the information, please share it with friends, family members, and of course, share it on social media. And you can tag us over on Instagram at the Living underscore well. And with that, let's jump right into today's enlightening conversation with Carolina.
2: But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Good Health Saunas. I have had my Good Health Sauna for over a year now, and you guys, I love it so much. From the moment of purchase to the delivery and setup, Good Health Sauna staff, they've been absolutely amazing. They've answered all my questions, they did a great job with the setup, and I have started this routine where I'm working out in the morning, I'm taking a sauna, I'm showering, I'm refreshed, and I feel great for the day and I just feel relaxed during the day. I'm sleeping better at night and I feel like I'm really adding to my overall health and happiness. And I'm also removing toxins from my body
1: and I feel amazing. Infrared saunas produce penetrating heat to help you sweat and heal your body from the inside. Sweating on a regular basis in your good health sauna can help you feel rejuvenated. There are so many health benefits of regular infrared sauna use that include detoxification, immune system support, muscle repair, chronic pain relief, relaxation, deeper sleep, and so much more. I've been using my sauna now regularly for the last several weeks and love how relaxed I feel, especially when I do it in the evening as part of my routine. It really helps me unwind from the day and improve my sleep. So why not bring the benefits and convenience of the sauna experience into your home with a commercial-grade Good Health Sauna? Good Health Sauna has three stores, one at the Mall of America in Minnesota and two in Wisconsin, in Appleton and Waukesha, but they ship anywhere in the U.S. For more information on the various sizes and options and for your special offer for all of our listeners, head on over to their website, with an S and mention the Art of Living Well podcast. Hi Carolina, Marnie and I are really excited to have you on our show today. We love meeting like-minded people in the health and wellness space who are really challenging the status quo and dedicating their lives to bettering the lives of others. And you know, today's topic is one we've discussed on a couple different episodes, but with a slightly different spin, and we just love the work that you're doing to guide people to live their most radiant and um, sober lives and really create their own, like create this wellness revolution in this space. Um, So thank you.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, great.
1: So before we really dive into, you know, the the meat of this conversation, we'd love for you to share what is your one non-negotiable to start each day? Journaling.
0: Mm. So I don't even get out of bed. I, you know, almost ease myself into waking up by grabbing my journal, knowing I don't have to get up and run around yet. Uh, I grab a pen and I'll just express my thoughts, maybe my dreams that I had. I like to share some gratitudes as well. And then I might do a little visioning, like, you know, pretending some kind of outcome that I'm hoping will happen has already happened. And I'll kind of write it in that present tense. So it's a little thing I do. And then it helps me both wake up and, and greet the day in a good way. What a beautiful way to start your day. Yes. And
1: I love how you said you don't even get out of bed. You know, like you just have it at your nightstand table maybe. And yeah, that's, that's cool. I never thought about doing it like in bed actually. So that wouldn't work in my house. Cause I'm usually the first one up and
2: it's pitch black in our
1: bedrooms. So. I know that. that's what I was kind <laughs> that of would thinking not work. too. <laughs> well, Marty, you could get one of those headlamps. You know, I have one of those and you can do that too. to do your journaling. But I use it for outdoors, not for in the house. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. So everyone has a story and we would love to hear your um, journey in a nutshell of how you decide to quit alcohol and ultimately do the amazing work that you've been called to do to help intuitive women ditch alcohol and discover the greater purpose.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just like broaching this topic. I think like it's can still be so taboo in our society. You know, we're obviously, I think having more conversations, more and more people are doing dry January. Sober curiosity is popular, but at the same time, like it's still very fringe. And the idea that like, if you were to quit drinking, it must mean something bad about you must mean that you have a problem. Right. I think we had this really this paradigm built within to our consciousness is that. When you're a grown-up, you drink, and if you don't drink, something must be wrong, and that's kind of this paradigm I found myself in for so many years, just really getting stuck up against that. Because, you know, compared with my drinking habits, I learned to drink as a teenager. Like most people, I drink a lot in college. I partied really hard in college. Like it was very, very complicated. But as I grew up, I started to kind of tone down. I started to grow up. I I got into health and wellness. I started my career. I got married. And drinking became this thing that I like shoved into the weekend. And so Monday through Thursday, I lived quite a healthy lifestyle. I would go to yoga class. I would drink green juices. But then every weekend, like clockwork, alcohol played a huge role. I would maybe go out with my friends, go to a movie night, dinner night, wedding night. Doesn't matter, right? Wine at home. Every weekend had alcohol shoved into it. And every Monday morning, I woke up feeling like a shell of myself. Obviously I was groggy and exhausted, but I also felt so emotionally low and just kind of distraught and and really feeling like something was wrong with me because it didn't feel like I was doing something that different compared to what everyone else was doing. And yet I woke up so ashamed, really ashamed in, in that state. And I would want to take a break from alcohol so bad. I just was like, I don't want it in my space anymore. But I would look at to the calendar and there on Friday was that happy hour or that networking event. Like it just felt like I was so locked into that cycle. I basically lived in that for years, like almost five or to seven years of just this clockwork of like, I don't want to keep doing this repetitive habit. And yet I was. And I basically didn't really think I was allowed to do anything different. Like I had heard of people who quit drinking and they wore scarlet letter A's and they went to AA meetings. And it just, while my relationship with alcohol was complicated, it wasn't like I was waking up drinking vodka in the morning or anything like that. And so I just didn't, didn't even give myself permission to change. And finally, it was actually hearing of dry January. That kind of a light bulb moment went off in my head, like, oh, I can just take a break from alcohol like and I don't have to go around explaining it to everyone. You know, I'm doing dry January. Who cares? And that was really the first time I gave myself permission to just explore what life felt like without drinking. Ever since I was 18 years old, alcohol was a constant in my life. And you can look at so many different women. Oftentimes, like pregnancy is the only time they allow themselves some space from alcohol. So it was just so fascinating to discover what I really felt like, what my emotions really felt like, what my sleep levels were really were. And I fell in love with it. You know, obviously my sleep improved. I woke up with more energy. I had these peaceful mornings that I appreciated instead of waking up on the wrong side of the bed. I felt proud of myself every single day too, you know, like really building up my self-love and self-esteem by honoring my intentions And February comes around and I, I know I don't want to go back to drinking, but I still don't really believe I have an option. It's just like the first social event I go to. It's like, well, normal adults drink, Carolina. This is what you have to do. And I hated it. I hated it. You know, even a few drinks ruined my sleep. And what I really noticed was that my mood was really elevated in January. I was a lot happier, appreciating nature more, just having more like holistic joy in my life. And just a few drinks in would actually ruin my mood. I got cranky and frustrated really easily. I was even starting little fights with my husband. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't I drinking? Cause I want to like feel a little sense of like excitement or just like have a little treat. Like, It was then where the illusion of alcohol really kind of crumbled in my eyes. So I decided to take another break at that point. And I've basically been alcohol free ever since for the last five years. And what ended up happening was that like every as every week got went by, I really just got to know myself better, got to know what, what I really wanted and started to actually go after that life. So I really recognized in hindsight, it was hard to say, but now I see it. I was so bored with my previous life. I, it was like, I couldn't wait to get through the week and get to the weekend when I could unwind with some wine. I wasn't fulfilled with my career. And so I figured that out and actually started taking the steps I needed to build a different one and start a business and do what I really love passionately, write a book and all that kind of stuff. And so instead of, you know, snoozing on my life, waiting for the weekend to be able to enjoy some wine, I've really crafted fulfillment into my everyday experience.
2: Wow. Wow. Um, there's so much to unpack there. I, I have so many questions for you, but first of all, great job. I'm glad you did that for yourself. And clearly it's been wonderful. You you look healthy and you you sound like you feel amazing. So great job for doing what you want to do and not succumbing to that pressure of feeling like you have to drink because everybody else is. And that is definitely super prevalent in our society. I have two kids in college, right now. So I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. But I'm wondering, one of my questions that just jumped in my head right away were, is your husband on board? Did he stop drinking? And how did that change your friendships with the people that
0: you were hanging around on the weekends with?
2: Just curious about
0: that. I met my husband when I was 23, just at the end of grad school. So I was like a wild child when I met him, but we kind of toned down, settled down. Obviously we like started a, a real adult relationship, but alcohol was still a constant, you know, pool days. We had beers at the pool. We would go to winery tastings. We would go to the brewery festivals together. We'd go to sushi and have sake. Like it was such a constant in our like quality time and how we bonded together. And so, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, and that was like their first thought, like, oh, I want to do this, but what is my partner going to think? It is such a common objective. So first of all, what I did is I, I really did frame it as a break, like even myself personally. And I really do recommend that for everyone. Like the brain doesn't play very well with the word forever. Like who knows what you're going to want to do in five years or 10 years, like, Just take a break and make it some kind of like actual, tangible, solid period of time that you're committing to so that you understand that this is a temporary thing I'm trying. Like everyone gets to experiment with life differently. So I told my husband that I'm taking a break from alcohol, you know, and that wasn't very threatening to him. Right. Like he can handle me not drinking for 30 days. And what I ended up doing was sharing little breadcrumbs with him of how much happier I was doing this lifestyle. So, you know, it was like, wow, I slept so much better last night or, oh my God, I haven't laughed that hard since I was in high school. Just like these little nuggets of like, Your wife is much happier without alcohol. So then when I was ready to go a little deeper with him and really tell him, like, I think I'm going to stick with this. And, you know, I, I didn't ever share with him some of my insecurities around drinking, all the shame it brought me, all the regret, all the feeling like just a loser and like I was messing up my life. Even though outwardly, you would never have said that, like inwardly, that's what like my thoughts were, you know? And so he didn't know some of that baggage that I had with it. So when I was ready to kind of open up to him and and say, I really love this path, you know, I think that vulnerability even brought us closer together because I was sharing parts of me that I had been hiding from him before. And so, you know, we definitely had to also change how we spent quality time, which to us was a really great opportunity to find new ways of bonding, which was really cool, So we ended up signing for a half marathon together. And so our date night switched from going to a restaurant and drinking together to running on Friday nights. Like we would run next to each other and talk. It was actually such a fun way to train for a half marathon. We started playing board games. We started going bowling. Like we just started kind of exploring the world and doing different stuff. And I will say that that actually brought our relationship closer together by like focusing on new ways to like revisit what fun even means to us. Um, I will definitely say too that, it wasn't right away, but like over time, like he changed a lot of his relationship with alcohol too. And I'm not going to say he completely quit drinking, but he drinks very minimally now, you know, very occasionally. He just doesn't really see the point and also hates the effects the next day too, even if it's just a beer, you know, he's 40 years old and he's into health and wellness. Like he can tell the difference it makes on his body. So it's been really cool to see those changes. And for anyone who's, you know, does share drinking with their partner, I would definitely say that like, Your action is going to inspire them more than your words. You know, so being like, hey, you should do this with me or take a break and, and let's not drink together might not always land well because we all need our kind of personal autonomy to make changes, but our actions speak volumes. You know, we inspire people with ripple effects by the way we look and feel going after changes that, you know, heighten our wellness and our sense of health and help us go after our dreams. So you kind of came around with time, which is, I think, another brilliant strategy because like if we wait for our partner to want to do it with us, you know, it's like kind of codependent in a way, right? Like imagine if you wanted to go back to grad school and you're like, no, I can't, I can't go get my grad school degree unless my partner does it too. Like that makes no sense, right? Independent women need to go live their own lives. So that's kind of the strategies I teach also to my clients about how to navigate this with their partner. Just recognizing that change alone is threatening, no matter what kind of change it can be. But there's really different strategies that you can make it work with their partner. Same thing with your friends, right? So everything I just said about partner, you could say to your friends. Most of my friends, again, were very actually welcoming that we were finally talking like It was like the elephant in the room. Like, it's not like I was the only one who didn't like how I felt after drinking the next morning, you know, everyone was like, oh, me too, you know, and some of them decided to take breaks or it was just like, it was something that we would openly talk about. And I will just say that for anyone who like is finding that their friends are really pushing back on that. And maybe they don't have anything else in common to share with them. Like you can't kind of be like, hey, let's meet up for coffee instead or go to a yoga class or something like that. I mean, it also is a good reevaluation. Like, do I really want to share friendship with someone who the only thing we have in common is drinking together?
1: Well, you're right. And just like your, your husband was obviously very supportive of you, you know, regardless of what, what your friends choose to do or not do, are they supportive of you? And are they willing to do those, you know, those alternative ways to socialize, like you said, going to yoga class, going on a hike or running or what have you. And clearly like leading by example and people observing your transformation, really, you know, like leaving your job and starting this business and writing the book and doing things that it sounds like you've always like had this burning desire to do. There was always something inside you, like kind of this, this your future self just kind of being held back to some degree by the drinking.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful way to say it. (laughs) And that's what I really believe, like the most, I think, intuitive women, the most and bravest and wisest women are the ones who are kind of waking up to this work, knowing that they're made for more and ready to reevaluate anything that's just not serving them anymore.
2: Absolutely. So I know that you've done a lot of research on excessive alcohol consumption. Can you talk about that a little bit and about the physical and mental, you know, implications of excessive alcohol use and how it can block your absorption of vitamins and minerals and how it can decrease your muscle mass and what else?
0: Absolutely. So I think in our society, we have this idea of like what moderate drinking is and then what excessive drinking is. And when you look at the statistics, everyone's over drinking. Like everyone who's regularly drinking, I'm not saying every single person on the planet, but the majority of people are drinking above the health guidelines. And the way that we've been taught to drink and the way that we've been taught to use it as a a tool to socialize, it's not like you'll go to a dinner party and everyone's poured like one glass and then it's like, okay, let's put the wine away. We've all had our one glass, you know, like, like it's not how it works, right? Like people drink way more above the health guidelines. And what's also happening is the health guidelines keep getting lower and lower So there's studies that come out that really show there is no safe amount of alcohol to drink whatsoever and that any drink increases your risk of multiple different diseases. In fact, just this year, Canada lowered its drinking limit to only two drinks a week because even two drinks a week heightens a woman's breast cancer risk by 15%. So like show me a drinker, a regular drinker who's drinking over two drinks a week and I'll show you most everybody who drinks alcohol regularly. So what I like to kind of talk about is like, yes, there's different extremes. Obviously, it's kind of a huge spectrum. People who drink very lightly, very occasionally, your regular drinkers, and your very, very heavy drinkers. And oftentimes what we think of as those heavy drinkers are the stereotypes that we get from TV or intervention or stuff like that, really failing to notice that most people really do fall in that murky gray area. And so it's just a welcome conversation to have. I like to tell people that, you know, come into my world, like, I don't care if you drink 10 drinks a day or one drink a week. If it's not aligned with your values, if it's not allowing you to live the healthy lifestyle you want, if it's not allowing you to really be aligned with your deeper dreams and you feel incongruency about it. I'm not saying I'm telling you there's incongruency. Everyone has their own intuition to tell them that, but you feel like something's off. You have permission to explore that, right? And what you choose to do is obviously what you choose to do, but the way I kind of frame it is... If most of us start drinking around college era, right, and for the most part, it's kind of embedded into our social life until we die, has have most people even been able to the chance to explore what it feels like to remove alcohol from their life for a solid period of times? And I would argue that most people that regularly drink haven't allowed themselves to try that. And they might be missing out on just all of the things we've been talking about, how much better you feel, how much more confidence you get. It's like a gift. I just want people to try. And then after you try it, if you're like, "Nah, it's not for me, you know, like you have all the choice you want to kind of go back. So, you know, speaking of like what it does to you, too, is that they've proven that You know, drinking increases inflammation. So people that drink often have higher cholesterol levels. And we know this because when people take a break from alcohol, their cholesterol levels drop. The average is 20 points in just five weeks, which is crazy. Like, I don't think statins can even do that. Mine dropped 50 points right? And this is like not really talked about your blood pressure goes up as a drinker. So your blood pressure drops when you take a break from alcohol, it increases your chance of 20 different cancers. And they've even proven that a five week break can reduce those cancer markers in the body, in the blood, Uh, your liver fat can heal from a break from alcohol. They've proven that just even moderate drinking like one drink, right? That's what we've been all told is the golden rule. People who drink one drink have a smaller brain than non-drinkers. And Here's that, again, the plus point, when you take a break from alcohol, they've proven that gray matter starts to grow back and neurons regenerate. So I think what the science is just showing us is it's like a lot less levels of alcohol are producing adverse effects than we ever thought. But the hopeful side of it, too, is that the body is this incredibly healing miracle. And there's so many changes that also happen when you take a break from alcohol. Wow. So, I mean, That's so
1: fascinating. I feel like there's been a lot lately. I mean, we've talked about it, Marnie. I know there's other big podcasts out there that have been talking about it. We've, you know, we run a seven-day functional medicine liver detox every quarter where you take a break from alcohol for a week and we've both done dry January. You know, and I have to say, I mean, I feel like I related a lot to your story when you were, you know, in your maybe twenties or thirties before you quit where it's like, oh, I'm just, I just drink on the weekends. You know, I'm really good about not drinking Sunday to Thursday, you know, and, but you still have those same effects in the shame and, oh, you don't feel as good and you're not as productive the next day. And then you missed a workout. Like I've still had all of those same feelings, you know, within the last few years. So it doesn't really go away even when you think you're sort of like controlling it, if you will. And I do think like, it's funny this past year, I did the full dry January. I'd only done maybe like 80% 80% of it last year. And I felt very different this year than I did the year before. And a lot of the things you said, like really much more energy, sleep was like amazing. Your mood, like that's kind of where I noticed a big difference. And I wasn't like, oh my God, on February 1st, I can't wait to have a drink. It was like, oh, well, when I have one, the next time I'm out, maybe I'll have one. And I did, but I wasn't like craving it as well. And I don't know. It's it's just to me, this is such a fascinating topic. And I think we both see a lot of people all around us who are consuming more than, you know, the one or two drinks that is recommended to us. So Mm -hmm.
0: And I love the, I love the changes. I love that. You know, you can really feel that the mood elevating because there's a science behind it. Like alcohol actually releases stress hormones in our body. So we have heightened levels of anxiety after drinking those anxiety hormones that are released too. They last in our body for up to one to two weeks after drinking. So even again, like the weekend warriors, like your body's always constantly processing and detoxing and fighting off the different ways that alcohol threw your body off kilter, right? Um, And then in addition to that, alcohol also will lower your receptivity to dopamine. It lowers our serotonin levels or GABA levels. So it's like when I was drinking regularly, like my stress was higher and my happiness neurotransmitters were lower. And like when that rebalanced and I really felt like I really felt more joy, like seriously every single day, it's just such a cool experience. And I love how you both explain it. Like it can just be an experiment. Like you don't have to decide to quit drinking. It's just like, just try and see if you like it, you know, and go from there. It's so interesting. because So
2: I come from a line of alcoholics. So I'm very aware of alcoholism. And I have gone through lots of periods in my life where I didn't drink for years at a time. But I would say as I got more confident knowing that I am not an alcoholic and that I can have a drink and be okay, I have used alcohol more after I had my kids and stuff. But now today, kind of like Stephanie, you know, I've done dry January a few times and I go through periods where I'm like, eh, I don't want to drink for a while and I won't drink. And then all of a sudden I'll have something and I'll be like, you know what? I really want a glass of wine tonight or two glasses of wine or whatever it is. And I I do feel like for me, like I'm okay with that. Like I know there's risks and I know I might feel a little bit crappier the next day But like every so often I I do enjoy a glass of wine and I think that's okay. And I, I think that having the knowledge and the information is super important and everybody's different. And, you know, maybe there'll come a time when I decide, you know what, I'm done with alcohol. I don't want to drink anymore, but I think, I think it's really important to be aware, I guess is my point of the ramifications. Yes. it, It, increases your chances of breast cancer. It can cause depression. I mean, there's so many bad things
0: about it, right? Yeah. And I love how like you're open to experimenting. So it's like you've, you've given yourself a chance to just see what it feels like to not have alcohol, you know? And so I think that my book and my message is also really just giving people that permission because yeah, we all have the free will to do whatever we want with it. But I feel like before you even get to that point, it's like the habit or the societal expectation. It just feels like you're so stuck in that. You know what I mean? So how freeing for you. What I find really disturbing (laughs) is the college
2: situation like i said i have two kids in college the drinking culture is unreal to me like my husband says oh it was like that when we were in college too but i don't remember it being the way it is today like it's it's out of control from my perspective and i don't know how to change that like i i don't you know i can talk to my kids in time blue in the face but they're just two kids in this big, you know, world of where they're surrounded by it constantly. So if you have any thoughts
1: on that, either of you. Well, no, I was just saying, like, I think we know more now than we did back then. Like, even if it, the situation were the same college, right? Like, you know, no more now than probably your parents knew at that age. And you've taken a break. And so, you know, like the effects. And I think that's what it is. I think it's encouraging people to take a pause. So that you can recognize the symptoms that you're dealing with day to day, no different than even foods, right? Like reducing certain foods in your life because you're like, oh, I just thought I was always bloated and this is how I was supposed to feel and I'm only gonna poop once a week. No, that's not normal. So like (laughs) take a break from whatever you know it is you're doing, including alcohol. And then you're like wake up with like clearer thoughts and more energy. And then maybe you just decide to reduce it. But I think that awareness, that first step is the awareness of the impact that it is having over your health. In addition to potential, you know, more detrimental effects like cancer and things like that. But just your day-to-day, because I know a lot of what you're doing, Carolina, is just helping people to like become more confident and embrace what they really want to do. And so, and I don't know that you have to necessarily go 100% sober to feel that way, but I think there are steps that you can do to, I don't know, maybe you tell us, Yeah, (laughs) you know, like- For those people out there that are like, oh my gosh, like this sounds way too overwhelming and daunting for me. I still want to enjoy, but I do recognize that maybe it's having more control over my life than I'd like it to.
2: And now a quick shout out to our sponsor Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving.
1: I discovered Organifi about three years ago and fell in love with the gold chocolate blend, which I enjoy in the evenings. I love that it contains ashwagandha, which reduces stress and supports a healthy cortisol level. And it really gives me that fix when I want something chocolatey or sweet in the evening and it's perfect and nice and calming before bed.
2: And I'm really enjoying the Organifi green juice, which has a ton of superfoods in it, and it's so much easier than juicing. And it's also great if you struggle to get your greens in. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water. It's great on the go, and there's no compromise in quality for taste.
1: Organifi takes great pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods too by heading over to Organifi.com slash livingwell. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com com slash livingwell and use our code livingwell for 20% off your entire order.
0: And that's why I think like a month, uh, two months off is my secret sauce, but you know, a month, Few weeks even off alcohol, like really, will allow you to just compare those apples to oranges to see which one you like better and how you want to feel, and and then you'll go back if you do want to go back to drinking. Like you'll you'll re you'll reset your habits a little bit. And what I argue to that is that it's not really the behavior we're looking to change. It's not necessarily the habit necessarily. It's the mindset. What in us is telling us that alcohol is the only way to relax? What in us is telling us that it's the only way to have fun? That it's the only way to socialize? That it's feeling these really important human needs that we have. And we've been kind of sold this lie that alcohol is the answer. And so when you kind of work on your mindset and reduce your subconscious desires for alcohol, or maybe even debunk some of the reasons why you were drinking, you know, I'll go back to Marnie's point. Like I started drinking in college largely because I thought it was this magical elixir to turn me into an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I grew up really shy, And so for me, it was like, I have this new identity now. I'm the party girl. I get to talk to people. And it gave me a sense of status. I long ago married status to alcohol. This makes me cool. This makes me independent. Then now alcohol is literally nothing more than a toxic fermented beverage in a glass. Right. Like it is if you strip it all away, it's just a beverage like none of that can give you status, coolness, independence, sophistication. But as a society, we've been marketed that and we propagate it over and over with movies and TV shows and just the way that culture works, that we send that message to other people. And so, you know, kids in college, obviously, these days, as I did myself. Like it is a ticket to adulthood. It is here. This is how I rebel. This is how I'm independent. This is how I am cool or I fit in. So it can promise belonging. It can promise independence, you know, all these things. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did we attach so much meaning to alcohol when it's just a beverage? And I do believe that like, in a way, like we're also the generation that is responsible of helping change that for future generations, like just showing our kids that there's options, you know what I mean? It doesn't bestow all those amazing things on you. And then a lot more people struggle with alcohol than you think. Like, I think a lot of people see it as just this very rosy situation, you know what I mean? And I don't mean struggle as in like, are sev- severely addicted, but like, the shame the next day. I mean, you don't have to drink very much even to feel that. And that's actually a normal neurochemical response to alcohol because alcohol releases stress hormones and the dynorphin in your brain. So you're going to feel a little low the next day. If like, I just knew that in college, instead of thinking something was wrong with me and my brain, you know what I mean? I feel like I would have just been like, oh, okay, this isn't this shiny, romantic, rosy thing that all the magazines make it out to be. Let's just have an honest conversation about it. And I really do see a lot of parents doing that with their kids. They can't like tell them not to drink, but as long as like you're having discussions about it and being like a lot of people start drinking and then it becomes a habit and they don't like it. Like it's not envious, you know, to like be stuck in this, like you're allowed to explore or do something different than your friends. And I am like really heartened to hear that, you know, generation Z is drinking less than any other generation previous to it. It There's a lot more focused on health and wellness. Like even when I go on TikTok, I'm just like bombarded by these young people doing skincare and drinking green smoothies. And it's like alcohol obviously can still fit, but it it has a harder time fitting. Like if you're going to spend an hour on your face every evening, like you're not like you know, passing out every night, right? So I do see a shift and that I think is really hopeful. I also see that alcohol free beverages are coming out on the marketplace in a rampant speed alternative places to hang out, like mocktail bars, sober raves, I think we're moving in the right direction. So that's super promising. But for any parent too who's just concerned, I think just being able to have really open, honest conversations about alcohol and how it's portrayed in our society versus like what it really is and does can kind of dispel some of the myths that we've formed around it.
2: Do you think and this might be out of your scope, I don't know. What do you what how do you feel about the THC beverages kind of taking over? As the alcohol-free, you know, space, but now they have some other, you know, drug per se in them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I usually work with adults. So I'm hopefully, talking to adults, but. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not the sober police. I think if someone wants to stop drinking alcohol, that's their goal, right? That's their goal and mission. And if they are using THC as well, and maybe they want to first stop drinking alcohol, but then look at that later or not even look at, like every adult has obviously all violation in their world to do what they want. Um, obviously, THC is a lot less toxic than alcohol in so many different ways. However, what I'd caution against too is that the way that we come to rely on alcohol as a coping mechanism to relieve stress, to relax, to become a different version of us, to just tap into needs that we don't believe we can give ourselves on our ourselves, really, essentially, like THC is going to function as the same kind of a crutch, right? Yeah. And at yeah. the same right. time, too, when they do brain scans of people who are using or consuming THC, there's also a lot of similarities to the... Uh, The gray matter density that goes down and little holes in the brain that start forming. So it's obviously not some kind of miracle drug either. Um, But really, everyone has to use their own intuition about you know what to do and what they really want to change in their life. And if this stuff is obviously getting marketed to younger generations, it's a whole other (laughs) whole other topic and conversation. But yeah. And I love, you know, you talk
1: about this in your book, but just that alcohol is really the only drug that we have to defend, not partaking in like the, and that's, I think what was part of your journey. Why aren't you drinking? Why aren't you drinking? And I just see it, you know, we talk about with discussion with like parents and kids and teens and college kids. It's also modeling. It's like the parents modeling the behavior. And I mean, I'm not here to judge anyone, but I certainly see a lot of parents drinking a hell of a lot, right? And so, and even with young, you know, kids that are just in like elementary school or middle school, like think about that and what you're modeling. Like, I mean, we have a thing here where parents go to a safety meeting before hockey games and they go to a bar and they drink or they drink in the parking lot because they have an hour to kill before their, before their kids games. And I'm sure I'm going to upset people that out there just listening blows to me about away. It. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I actually, my husband will give me shit because I don't go because I'm not being social. But that to me is not fun. And I've literally been like, I'm going to go walk for 20 minutes before because I actually have been sitting all day at work and I, I, I'll walk with anyone and be social. But standing at a bar at four o'clock on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, any day of the week to drink is just not even something that's fun for me. And I've just sort of broken myself away from that mold and I'm okay with it. But it took a while, you know, to your point, because everyone is doing it and you feel like you have to. And this is as a almost 50-year-old adult, right? I'm not talking like in your 20s when you're more influenced by your peers. So I guess my point is it is so ingrained in our culture, at least my environment. And just it's refreshing to hear that there are these younger kids that are hopefully breaking the mold a bit and finding some alternatives and other things to do. And it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy wine because I do, and I like to have it, but I don't I don't like it. I don't want to do it all the time. It's just not something that makes me feel good or that I know it's good for me or that I enjoy. So I just think it's it's such a complicated, such a complicated issue. And I'm so glad we're just having this conversation today. And, but what can we start to do to kind of like shift this thinking a bit? Like, what have you seen and how do you work with people?
0: you know, to your point too, like something to recognize is that drinking levels consumption has drastically increased over the last 20, 25 years. So this, like this scenario you're, you're spelling out, like probably wouldn't have been true in the eighties. Like that wasn't really a function of our disposable income or just the way we like socialize, like more people drink soda for dinner in the eighties than wine. Right. So like breweries were not on every street corner. You couldn't buy alcohol in movie theaters. Like things have actually really changed in the last 20, 25 years. And in that doctors and like different health professionals are seeing it. They're seeing women who are not addicted to alcohol have scary health results because of the drinking. You know, like if you went to a soccer game to, you know, to support your child and brought wine with you back in the sixties or fifties or something, people would be like, what, you know, Does this woman have a problem? And now that's the norm. Now it's like, bring your tumbler. We're all going to drink wine while watching soccer. So I think we have just recognizing that the culture has changed to really make over drinking. The norm is the problem, right? And so recognizing that we've kind of gone way too over kilter and that now like this alcohol-free movement and sober curiosity is trying to bring things back so that people can always drink and people will probably drink, right? For, for many, many decades into the future. But like, the expectation that you're talking about, that it's this expectation where you don't even have your own choice around it, where people just assume or pressure you that that's the way to socialize. I think that's wrong. And I do think that people will get really stuck in that. I was once t- talking to a 19 year old and he was so on fire to have a successful life. He was into you know, personal development and business. And he literally told me the one thing that holds him back is alcohol. And this is a young kid. He's not like addicted. He's not drinking by himself. He's talking about just normal socializing on his college campus. And he told me, but I don't see a way out of it. Like I don't see how I could possibly be friends with the people I have and not drink. And that just broke my heart. That really broke my heart, you know, because again, we've created this culture. So Mm -hmm. I do see it's our responsibility to change it. So, you know, just showing that it's okay to not drink. You know, showing that we should be asking bars and restaurants for mocktails and other alternatives. Like when I go to a bar restaurant and they have nothing printed on their menu other than beer or wine, it's like, did you not want me to drive? Did you not consider we could be pregnant? Like, it's like so (laughs) uninclusive, you know what I mean? It's it's really Uh discriminatory almost in a way. to to assume that everybody at every occasion wants to drink alcohol. So I really do think that we are making these shifts. The more health studies that come out, the more mocktails that are coming out, uh, the more just freedom we have to talk about this, you know, like, 10 years ago, a podcast that was talking about alcohol would be only talking about severe addiction, you know, so just for you ladies to have a really open, honest conversation about the nuances of all people with different levels of relationships with alcohol is so freeing and refreshing. So really kudos to you on that. But like you said, Stephanie, I think modeling a different way, like you're the one who doesn't go to the hockey, you know, pre bark crawl, whatever it is, and you go walking You're also giving permission to the other mom who's like, you know what? I really don't want to do that anymore either. I need a healthy break. Like we show people by our actions and we invite them in to not feel alone if they also have the intentions of wanting to change.
2: Well, and it makes me think of like the whole modeling thing makes me think of. So I also have a 16 year old at home and just thinking about, you know, as I talk to other parents about high school drinking and college drinking and, I mean, I, I will say I have even been guilty at this over time, like where it's like, okay, you don't want your kid to go to college and having never had a drink. Right. Because that's scary too. You don't want to put them in this situation where they're not prepared, but it's like, you also don't want to perpetuate drinking. So it's like this fine line of how do you, how do you navigate this? It's, it's so complicated. And it's like, You don't want to be that parent that's like, oh, my God, no, 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 never, because then that's going to backfire on you and in other ways. But you also don't want to be that parent that's like, oh, yeah, go get drunk, go get loaded. Like, I don't care what you do. Like, I'm going to buy it
1: for you. yeah, Right. Or
2: I'm going to buy it for you or I'll host the party. And you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, it's it's just so complicated. And then I think about the Europeans who, you know, give their kids a glass of wine with dinner. I don't know. I mean, they have a glass of wine, right? Or with lunch or whatever it is. And it's not a big deal. And I I, I guess today, I don't know what their drinking culture is truly like in Europe, but it's romanticized that it's just like the norm in life where they have a glass of wine or, you know, in, in Greece or in some of these places around the world where it's not this excessive drinking. Now, in reality, is it? I don't. I don't know.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, like, is there a safe amount? And you're right. I was thinking about that too, Marnie, like just in Europe and the drinking age is lower. And so it's not because it's legal at 18, then our kids not drawn to do it because they just want to do something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, is that part of it as well? And if culturally you grow up in a different environment, then do you not have the binge drinking? I'm just curious if what you, you know, even what you've seen when you're doing your research or anything like that, or if you mostly are working with people in the U S
0: yeah. I mean, definitely the U S the UK, Australia have a huge binge drinking culture compared to Europe, but it's also a misnomer to say that people don't uh, have complicated relationships with alcohol in Europe, you know, like I really do see like, you know, even though the daily once it once a glass of wine every day kind of thing is this like romanticized myth, the grandma who has her little thing. Like if you really in reality paint a picture of someone who has modern day responsibilities, they're juggling all this stuff, and then they can't wait to just get home and pour that glass of wine at 6 p.m. to take away all their stress and worries, it's not a really healthy picture. You know, that person isn't actually really taking care of their needs. And I think anything we start to do daily like that is kind of a slippery slope, you know what I mean? And and really can start to become an emotional dependence. So, you know, like kind of fairy tales aside, like what does it look like in your life for you? Does it feel Feel good is it congruent with all your other values or healthy living lifestyle you know avenues that you have if it's help you know not allowing you to go to that workout class the next day or making you want to crave unhealthy foods or you're not proud of what you're modeling to your children like anything that's uncomfortable, you have permission to explore that. That doesn't mean you have to change forever. It just means you have permission to explore it. And I think that's just what's really cool about this new alcohol-free movement is everyone has just the choice and the intuition and the freedom to really figure out what works right most for them. At the time, it works most best for them, You know if that makes sense too. So everyone's kind of just on their own journey with this. And I see a lot of things happening too in Europe. Like I've had conversations with, with again, young people, like in, in non binge drinking cultures that are like, what you're doing is so refreshing, you know, because of all this, like this, this marriage of alcohol and belonging is really what I think we also have to break. Because if I don't drink, what does that mean? How do I socialize? How do I make friends? How do I adult, you know? And I think we really just need to provide better options for that.
2: I agree. And I love that you said, you know, you and your husband were playing games and you did the marathon together and maybe bowling. I can't remember what you listed, but like, there are other things to do, right? Like even in college, like there are plenty of other things to do besides drink. That can't be the only fun outing. And if it is, then we have a problem.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, a great thing to recognize is like alcohol is just like any other drug in the sense that it takes over the pleasure center of your brain. Like it's going to feel good for the first 20 minutes and then it crashes and you're going to feel worse. But knowing that like you're just sitting there, you're just a passive zombie letting fireworks go off in your brain. Like what's real fun for you? How can you create fun? You know, what brings you organic joy? And I think a lot of people just can't even answer that anymore because alcohol has been just the tool that you use for so long to have a fun time. And I love when I get to work with clients and they have this like eye opening experience of like, oh my gosh, I went away for this girl's weekend and I had a blast not drinking. And I woke up every day for cycling class at 6 a.m. It's like this have your cake and eat it too type of lifestyle where you get to explore what really brings you joy and fun. And you don't get any negative side effects at the end of the day either.
2: So have you worked with women that um, that don't really want to give up alcohol? Like I, I shouldn't say they don't want to, like they want to, but they don't know how to, or they, something's holding them back from it, or they don't think they can. Yeah,
0: I think we're all on different awareness levels around this. And I think compared to like smoking or some other negative habits, I I don't think anyone actually walks into this wanting to stop drinking unless they're like really at a pain point, right? Because society has glamorized alcohol so much, it's like, we don't like the pain associated with drinking, but it's very hard to actually accept the idea that we should wanna stop drinking completely. So that's a very normal phase to go through. And that's why, again, I really teach this method of experimentation and just trying a break from alcohol because we're not saying you have to give it up but if you just want to experience what that feeling is of of really knowing your natural mood sleep cycles your level of confidence going up what ends up happening is people literally just start to slowly fall in love with it and they've studied it around 80 percent of people who take an extended break from alcohol just don't really see a point in going back which i just think is so freeing it's not like anything's really taken away from you you just slowly stop you lose your desire, essentially. And it's kind of the way that like I associate uh, cigarettes, for example. So I smoked in college, right? I was partying a lot, but you couldn't pay me today to smoke a cigarette. Like there's no desire. You can't tempt me with that. You know what I mean? Like I really have absolutely just no no desire there. And and that's a process that I really do believe can be teached because when we put our needs onto alcohol, it makes me more confident, helps me socialize. It gets rid of my social butterflies. It helps me relax, helps me sleep. And we believe that alcohol is providing all that stuff for us. Even if we want to drink less or not at all, like emotionally and subconsciously, we'll still see pleasure and benefits with alcohol. But when we can break all those mental associations in the subconscious, alcohol just really stops losing, it loses its alert essentially. Yeah. And
1: it kind of reminds me a, a little bit about when you're trying to remove a food from your, from your diet or, you know, almost like a little bit like crowding out, Marnie, where we talk about if you start adding more things and your body stops craving the junk or the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so if you add in more, you know, maybe it's friends doing different things or different activities, or you have a goal for yourself to run this half marathon. So you're adding that into your life, then your body starts to like no longer crave or need or desire at that level, the comfort that it used to obtain from the alcohol, which I think is really powerful because it then it's coming from inside, not from someone else externally. So I know I want, we want to talk about your book. So you have this new book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. Can you share a little bit, like what drove you to write it and just how you have laid it out? I think it's like, so like, easy to read, um, super informative. And also I just love all the like personal stories and stories from your clients. And I know you have like this eight week plan to just alcohol at the end. So can you share a little bit about all that? And I like your beautiful cover,
0: which, we Thank can you. See yeah, which yeah. you
1: can see on the video. For those of you listening, <laughs> if you go to YouTube, you get to see the beautiful cover yeah. behind Carolina.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really wanted to write a book that I needed to read back in the day. You know, I really wanted to read an empowering, positive approach about reevaluating the role of alcohol in your life. So the book is really written for what we term casual drinker, regular drinker, who's starting to get that intuitive hit that maybe alcohol is no longer serving them or that they're playing out outdated habits, outdated patterns, outdated identity. You know, like We've been talking about so much about how we're socialized into drinking when we're young. When do we outgrow that? And is we have permission to outgrow that, right? So the book will give us someone basically a body, mind, soul approach to what happens when you take a break from alcohol, Every all the incredible changes you'll see physically, mentally, emotionally, and also spiritually, so that you just get really excited about what this period of your life could look like. And so once you're so excited about that, uh, people are can't wait to try it on their own. And I provide them with an eight-week guide to really demystify alcohol in their life, take a break, and learn how to navigate some of those trickier situations we we're talking about, like social or vacations or, or explaining it to people and then really figuring out what they enjoy instead, what really brings them joy and passion. And for me, it was like, I explored these different avenues. Like, what do you do on a Friday night? If you don't drink, if that's what you always do every Friday night, like I had to actually get out of that comfort zone and figure some of that stuff out. And in that process, like I discovered my true passion in life. You know, I actually started going to writer's group and expressing my creativity more. And those were like the small little stepping stones of launching my business and writing content full-time and writing a book. And now being able to do that day in and day out and help other people as well. So for me and for so many of the people I've worked with, it's been like the avenue to just discover what they want most in life and then have all that fortitude and confidence and courage to actually go after it instead of just wishing. And I'll tell you like... I say it so bluntly now, and I I wasn't really comfortable saying this a few years ago, but hands down, the biggest reason I see people drinking or using alcohol as a coping mechanism or over drinking is their careers. Like they're super stressed out or bored. And so they find unfulfillment in their careers and alcohol is just that solution every night or every weekend or whatever. And so in my kind of way of working with clients, it's like, nobody has to be stuck doing something that they hate, right? Like, and I think giving the break from alcohol gives you that agency, that power, that sense of control, that sense of confidence over your life to determine what you really like and then start building a life around that, you know? And so I really have as as, as simple or maybe naive as it sounds, like I've seen people completely change their lives, launch new businesses, change careers, get new positions at work, go after the nonprofit dream they've always had, write the book they've always wanted to write, move halfway across the world because they always want to live there, start traveling more. Like it really is this guide to kind of walk you through that journey as well. Essentially a self-discovery journey of who you really are, what you really want without this crutch and finding a way to take a break without feeling deprived as well with all the tools and mental exercises you'll need to kind of dig deep and make room for letting go of that piece of you that doesn't serve you so you can welcome in the next amazing part of your identity and your evolution on this planet. So, that's the book in a nutshell. It sounds
2: amazing. I'm I I read some of it online but I'm excited to get the actual like hard copy of it. So, I'm wondering if you can share a story of someone that you've worked with or maybe a story from the book that went through your process and how it changed them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I had a client who, you know, same things, overstressed from work, a very high level position at her work as well. And she always like wanted to live in Europe, had this dream of writing, living in Europe and writing. And so she takes a break from alcohol, completely smashes a lot of her like, you know, myths and just associations that made alcohol so glamorous and alluring in her life where she was feeling such a high from the freedom she got from it. She was meditating every day, working out every day, just kind of smashing it in her health routine. And it just really begged the question of like, what else could I do? Like, if I could do all of this and I never thought I could, then what else could I do? So she decided to do what was used to be the unthinkable. She decided to quit her job. She moved her family, her whole family to France to live there for a year, to just experience French life, like just completely leisurely travel around, put their daughter into preschool there so she could learn to speak French. And, you know, that takes a lot of faith and courage to do something like that. What was so crazy and uncanny was that when she like put in her notice at her job, her employer actually told her, if you come back, we'll double your salary. So like take a leap and watch how the universe provides for you. Anyway, so she spends her year in, in France and then she writes a memoir at the same time and is now courting book agents to get her memoir published. So to me, that is just like one of those stories. Like you almost can't believe it, like what she just... She just took a break from alcohol and all this incredible stuff happened in her life. But it really did open the door of like discovering what she wanted more, most out of life and then having the agency to go after it in such a beautiful way. And she completely credits that reevaluation of alcohol to do that for her. It was like the wake up call of like, hey, you don't have to keep like numbing the things you don't like. Like you can change them.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. It's like it's squelching
1: your confidence. You know, and by, by by quitting alcohol, it's like you, you've like unleashed this like, yeah, I don't know, this like energy and this like desire and confidence, which is just so cool. So I know we're going to, have to start wrapping up this conversation. I feel like we could have like a, you on for a part two to dive into some of these very specific topics. But what would you say to someone out there who's listening, who maybe has been like toying with the idea or in the back of their head, they're like, yeah, I shouldn't drink as much but doesn't think that they can do it, you know, what could be something that someone could start doing like today or this week to just become more sober, curious and take a break from drinking?
0: Yeah. So we've obviously talked about, you know, the idea of taking a break, but I'm going to take it like before that step, you know, honestly, Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, it's not necessarily always the habit and the behavior change. Like that's a part of the equation, but that's a lot smaller, like of the equation, the mindset is what we're really looking to change. So if someone's just kind of toying with the idea and just, it's kind of in their back of the mind, I just suggest if this conversation was interesting to you, like lean in, Allow yourself to just learn a little bit more. Read a book, read another book, listen to a podcast, listen to another podcast maybe subscribe to a newsletter, start following a sober influencer online, like allow this just to kind of seep into your consciousness. These are a lot of new ideas around alcohol presented differently. And it just allowing yourself to explore this topic, I think will slowly open the door to listening to your intuition and your gut and what you want. And then when you feel ready for it, you know, to take a break from alcohol, like I mentioned before, two months is like, whew, you'll feel so good. Your brain will rebalance. One month is amazing, but even three days, three days is like you're building this new muscle that you haven't been working out before and you're doing something super courageous. So like there is no finish line and there is no like, you know, I hate the words like relapse or you know, oh, I slipped or something like that. Like anything you do is so much more incredible and something to be proud of than the person who's ignoring all of this and not even trying, you know what I mean? Like you're making massive progress and progress is not just this linear thing. Like it really is this kind of a jumble of uh, of peaks if you all feel say it that way. So I would just say to someone, just lean in, you know, if the next step is reading a book or, you know, maybe subscribing to a podcast, like just let it be a gentle move that invites in new material to your brain.
2: I love that advice. And I think, you know, instead of thinking of it as a slip up, like you said, you know, it's it's about being mindful, right? So you're taking your two months off or whatever, but you're out one night and you really want a glass of wine and you're consciously making that decision to have a glass of wine, Then you get up the next day and you don't drink again. Like, it's just like, you know, if you are being mindful, like Stephanie said about sugar, any other type of thing in your life, it's all about your awareness
0: and doing what's working and what's right for you in your own body. Yeah. And isn't that amazing? Like if the only person you can compete with is truly yourself, if you compare those two months compared to the two months over the holidays, where it was like a lot of, I mean, you're doing amazing. You're doing something so incredible for yourself. I think we have kind of a missed, uh, you know, misaligned kind of interpretation of how to change your relationship with alcohol. It's like day one, you're supposed to be perfect for the rest of your life. Never drink again. That's not how any other habit change works in the world. (laughs) Well, and it's funny. I just, I just have to share the story. So Last
2: week, I was out with a bunch of girlfriends for somebody's birthday. You know, I did dry January in January, but I haven't, I've had occasional nights where I'm drinking or whatever, but I haven't been drinking a whole lot since then, just because I feel great without it. So I haven't, I haven't, but so I was out last week and I didn't feel like having a drink. So I ordered water, (laughs) really exciting. They didn't have non-alcoholic cocktails or anything else exciting on the menu. I don't drink soda. So they all looked at me and they're like, oh, are you still doing dry January? And I was like, no, I'm not. But I just don't, I'm not, I'm not in the mood to drink. And they're like, oh, are you on a detox? No, I'm not on a detox. I'm just not in the mood to drink tonight. And like, they were kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it was just funny, the reaction I got.
0: Yeah. They can't make sense of you. (laughs) Like
2: I I don't need a reason. My reason is I don't feel like it.
0: Yeah. And who knows though? Like what if one of those women is also like having some insecurities or maybe wants to like start drinking less and like just seeing you as an example, like even then, if she was like, Oh, that's weird. But like in six months from now, she might be like, well, if Marnie did it, maybe I can, I'm allowed to not drink tonight too. You know, Mm -hmm. you have no idea. What you're doing? Right. Well, it right.
1: begs the question: like, why are you going out? Are you going out so that everyone can drink? Or are you going out to enjoy each other's company and have a conversation and laugh and have fun? Like, can I not be here and be enjoying this experience or this moment with you without drinking? And like, whose issue is it really? You know, I, I don't right. know. That, that's if you a think about it in terms of it.
0: like food too, like. I mean, yes, there's still some circles that will like chastise you on your food choices. But for the most um, part, it's 2023. If you go out and order a salad and someone orders chicken like wings, like, are we going to like not get along because I'm not eating meat and I'm eating something healthier? Like, come on, we all have the autonomy to decide what to put in our bodies these days, you know, and it shouldn't matter. Right. It's just a beverage. <laughs> and the fact
1: that we're adults, we're middle-aged and we're still acting like we're in high school, you know, I mean, to some degree... Some of those behaviors have stemmed from when we were little and we wanted to fit in, but it's still going on as we approach 50, at least for Marnie and myself, so.
2: Yes, yeah, Stephanie and I had a guest on a long time ago and she said, you know, we're healthy deviants or we're outliers. And I, I always think about that and think, okay, I'm okay with that. Like I'm happy to be a healthy outlier. Like I'm comfortable with my decisions and what I'm doing. And if that makes me an outlier, then so be it.
1: I guess I'll normal. wear that title with a smile. Yeah, I don't know. Right. you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, studies show that most people are unhealthy, unfulfilled and unhappy, you know? So really what is the definition of normal and who, who really wants to wear that? Right. Absolutely. I think that was her point, actually the previous yeah. guest. So
1: how can they connect with you? I know you work with people, you're a coach, buy your book, all the things.
0: Awesome. Well, if you're interested in getting the book, just type in Euphoric and Amazon or anywhere books are sold. You can also check out www.euphoricbook.com to check it out in multiple different countries. Um, And then if you're interested in working with me, we have formal programs to help people ditch alcohol and discover their deeper purpose. I host retreats to places like Bali and Mexico. And this year, we're launching our coaching certification program to certify women who want to start helping other people in this area. Uh, so you can learn all about that fun stuff at euphoricas.com. And if you're interested in just connecting, drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. I'm at euphoric.af on Instagram. Yeah, I saw that Bali retreat and it's been on my
1: list for quite a while. It looks amazing. It's on You'd my list. You'd love Bali. It's such a long like, Yeah.
2: Maybe when you're 50, Stephanie, we'll both go. Yeah, one, <laughs> one more year. Okay, we'll yeah. We'll celebrate. Perfect. Um, So one thing we like to ask all our guests as we wrap up the conversation is what does the art of living well mean
0: to you? Yeah, I love that question. I think for me, it's really listening to my intuition, you know, listening to my intuition on what's right for me that day, but also in the grander scheme of my life. And I think it's just something that I ignored for a really long time in favor of what society expected or wanted out of me. We do this, not just with alcohol, obviously we do this in our careers and how we're supposed to parent, all this other stuff, you know? And I I really just believe that the art of living well to me is listening to my intuition. And whether that's on a daily basis, like, oh, I really want to move my body or I really want to eat this kind of food or something like that. It can really be translated in multiple ways, but really having a connection with that deep voice that has that wisdom within within me to know what's right for me.
1: Beautiful. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We know this episode is going to move or touch or, you know, touch various listeners out there. And yeah, we may have to have you come back on to dive deeper into this. Cause I feel, I do feel it evolving and the tide is turning, like you said, and there's going to be a continuous movement going forward. So. And I will be sharing this episode with my teenagers.
0: Oh, well, it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you (laughs) so much. (laughs) Have a great day. Bye-bye.